Tom Parry. Hey, Matt boy, how's it going, bro? Bro? What energy is this? I don't know, I'm just trying to bring something fresh uh, to the podcast to, you know, get down with the kids. Okay, let me try it. Um, I'm doing good, old pal of mine. Is that, is that the same energy? Yeah, yeah, you you, say, you sound uh, decidedly uh, retro in your uh, your lingo. Surprisingly retro in my lingo, but actually, you know, better perhaps than the writing in Atomic Hearts, is all I will say. Matt Boyle, At- Atomic Hearts, that's the uh, shooter, isn't it? It is indeed, Tom Parry. Let's talk about yeah. it on top of Matt Attack. Oh yes. yeah, I forgot you. Were, I forgot you were going to say that bit, Matt. It's I, okay. I, 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 I sort of skipped over it and sort of continued as if you'd already said that when you hadn't said it. So. Well, I mean, it's okay. It's transitions, you know. We 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 are flowing. We are we are meddling. We're we're chatting, Tom. This is what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's conversation about between me, you, and the listener. Riding the flow, flow rider. <laughs> okay, are you all right? It's, it uh, sounds uh, like I, I don't know. It's the heat. I don't know. It's hot here, and. Uh, because I can't have the window open or a fan on because we're podcasting, of course. So this, yes. this this room comes a little bit of... I've said this a million times in the podcast. It, get, it gets hot. It gets hot. Yeah, it gets a little yeah. hot in here. That's Nelly, though, not Flowrider, unfortunately. So I can't make those two Like, How are you doing other than being warm? <laughs> yeah, I, I've been enjoying Street Fighter Six. I have to say. Great game. Um, lots to say about that, but we'll come to that in due course. Yeah, um, I, spoilers for people who listen to the last week's podcast and are like, oh, Matt, you you said you were going to buy Street Fighter 6 as well. Well, what was that? Rider, <laughs> Street Rider That was Street me Rider six. the tape. Flow Rider 6. Flow Rider 6. <laughs> Matt, you were going to buy Street Fighter 6. Have you played it? And the answer, dear listener, is no, because I couldn't find it for love nor money in Denmark. And I don't want to buy a digital one. And then, to be fair, right? I had a moment where I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy it digitally. I'll just, fine, I'll cave, I'll give in, I'll give How much money. money is that? It's like 55 quid. And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if I want to play that much. And then I started thinking about it, and I was literally on the screen where I was like, commit to purchase. And I was like, you're buying this game because it's kind of got like yakuza running around in it. You've got two Yakuza games you haven't played. I got Ish- like a Dragon Ishin, and I've got Lost Judgment. I was like, maybe I hold off on this, especially. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's great pick up and play. I'm sure it is, and that's um, in testament to the low times, especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this generation it makes uh, just playing a game for like ten minutes pretty pretty easy. I say ten minutes, a little bit longer. That's nice. But uh, yeah. I want to hear all about Atomic Heart, Matt, because we've teased our listeners with, with this. Uh, t- go on. Go right. for it. We um, have the stage. So, to refresh everyone's memory, because it's been a hot minute, because I think this game came out in February, uh, Atomic Heart is a game by a studio called Mundfish, I believe they're called. It, it, their logo is confusing because it's a hook, and I thought it was Mindfish, and then, no, it's Mundfish. Um 
the game released uh, somewhat controversially, obviously, given the, the state of the Ukraine war and Russia's involvement in that. Um, and generally speaking, lots of people were saying, well, actually, this game might have links to Russia. Maybe this game is actually, while trying to be anti-Soviet spirit from like the 1950s maybe it's actually pro-soviet because of these government links and lots of other stuff generally speaking because of that because it was all murky and still to this day i've tried to do my research before this podcast that it seems like we don't really know either way if any of that is true um so i was like well i don't really want to buy it then if if it is in aid of this if like there is any weird like links to what is going on right now in the world and this studio then maybe i didn't want to buy it it came into the library and i was like well okay i i want to see what this game is about i had heard the words thrown around tom parry a a spiritual success at a bioshock and i was like for all for all Bioshock's problems with narrative, especially in Bioshock Infinite, I was like, well, I like the gameplay of those games. They are fine. Hmm. I'm I'll pick this up, I'll see how it is. Um I think Bioshock and spiritual success is a Bioshock when talking about Atomic Hearts is a bit much. I would say Poor Man's Wolfenstein is more <laughs> the vibe that I get. Well from what game. I've seen from it. It appears to be more Wolfenstein than Bioshock. Yes. Um, I mean, de- right, so it's definitely, there is a cross-pollination going on of um, Wolfenstein and, like, the, hey, we're in a retro feature where the Nazis won the war. Like, clearly here, it's the Soviets. Like, everything, you know, the art style of the game, from what I've seen so far, has been... Every has been like hit really high highs and hit really low lows, and it's re- it, there's a real disparity in quality. I will say, like, there's lots of amazing CG at the start. There's lots of like you're on this weird futuristic robot thing, and everyone's talking about how amazing the Soviet Union is, and like, wow, we live in the future, man, isn't it crazy? Um, and you know, there's like beautiful russian constructivist graphic design posters everywhere and you're like oh okay like i get i get why people making bioshock comparisons i get it like definitely with the dialogue things of people making tongue-in-cheek comments about like oh we love china we need to go to china on holidays and all this kind of stuff i'm like okay this i get i get vibes i mean i i've been to china china is a lovely place but like the the point is like they're trying to do this thing that wolfenstein does where it's like oh well you know naturally based on pre-war stuff these nations were allied they're doing these things and i'm like okay they're meshing these two things together this feels really strange but fine i'll go with it and then I met a like robot because there's lots of robots in this world, and that's generally what you're doing from the sounds of things is killing robots. The and like it is one of the worst CG models I have ever seen. Um, and then my the the main protagonist, who's major something or other, re- refers to his glove as just like randomly in the worst delivered voice line I've heard in a while. Goes you dickhead out of context, and I'm just like. What the fuck is this game? Dickhead is always a hilarious insult, isn't it? It's something about dickhead. It always sounds funny. Yeah, but to British, if you're British, I think the guy is very much American, even though 
it's clearly like he's supposed to be Russian. Um, and yeah, he just goes, you dickhead, in an American accent. It just it feels wrong. It just mm, feels really strange. Okay. Um, and I've had lots of those jarring experiences. So, Tom, I can tell you, especially for a fact, you and what all, all our listeners know about you and narrative in games, you would hate Atomic Heart. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saving me from Atomic Heart before I, I tried I it. Have, I've played it for an hour, I think, in change. I've 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 actually been like really in control of a character in an environment for maybe five seven minutes of that. Oh. Um, I mean, generally speaking, what the start of the game is, you get off your little robot and you run around. Uh, but you're on. It's it's very much like the opening of Bioshock Infinite. It's very much like, hey, I'm going through this big town and everyone's here and everyone's having a good time. There's also that parade sequence in one of the Wolfenstein games where you're doing a very similar thing as well. Uh, I think it's the second Wolfenstein game where you're you're in a big area and you're overhearing all these people talking and you're manoeuvring through crowds and you're going from point A to point B and they're guiding you through impressive-looking spaces and everything else. But generally speaking, game talks way too much. It's way, way, way too into telling you how amazing this the, the Soviet Union is in the future and how amazing everything is and mm. like yes i drum on about the soviet union stuff because i i just want to say like i can see why people have the reading that there's like pro-soviet stuff in this because they've perhaps only played the beginning of the game yeah potentially. Or they don't understand what they're trying to do with the setup perhaps. yeah but it, it, yeah. it the, the thing is right the voice lines are delivered so like earnestly and very like oh well yeah it's, it's so great da, 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 da. and you hear it constantly like it, it's see, all of the yeah. stuff that I'm like okay I get why people get this but it's clearly this feels like this is here to be circumvented with the story yeah. and like the whole thing that you're learning at the start of it is very much about oh well people have made this serum which is essentially like the matrix like you get an injection and bam you're a scientist bam you can speak korean bam you can do whatever and it's obviously like oh well you get the education you need and you're like oh but you know this is the government who's giving people an education like and everyone seems really drinking the kool-aid of like yeah isn't our nation great is this a bad thing um and then from what i've seen so far and what i actually got into all of that completely just gets thrown to the side. And I'm like, why have you spent 50 minutes of your time telling me about this, like, super soldier serum for education uh, and all the great things that you can do? And there's just one section, right, where all they're trying to give you is the ability to tap tap R1 twice to kind of bring up, like, a detective mode from Batman. Mm-hmm. And it literally takes five minutes for them to tell you the prompt because they're telling you how great it is and like what it can oh, do. Wow. And then the character says, with no hint of irony, it's just like, God, was this made by the Spanish Inquisition? And then it's just like, press R1 is the prompt that comes up. And I'm like, also, you knew that this was too long, but you decided to have a character to try and make a really bad joke to play for laughs at the fact that it was really long. And like every tutorial beat i've got so far has just been like one static screen in the middle of like a dialogue option or a middle of combat that's like press circle to dodge instead of like integrating it into an on-screen prompt or anything else 
it feels weird, man. Like, I d- I've not really... I've not damned too much. I'm going to play a bit more before we next podcast just to see, okay, is the gunplay any good? Does it get any better? Because so far, this hour in, all I've managed to get is an axe. You press R2 and you have a really clunky axe movement. Oh, we don't even get a gun in the first hour in what is essentially a first-person shooter. shooter. Yeah, um, I've hit hit some robots um, that look a bit like Charlie Chaplin with with an axe. And that's it. And, uh, some... That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, but like, it's just—it's been right, set piece to set piece to set piece to set piece to set piece. Not set pieces. So no, but like also set pieces in which you're in no control over the character. Well, this is why I say that. I I have a the a fear of set pieces in video games. Sometimes they can be great. Sometimes, yeah. It it, it feel don't. Tom like I'm telling you. It was me going for fuck's sake. Can we get can we get on with this, please? And like, I'm a wow. person who likes to sit there and listen to law and likes to read bloody grimoire cards in Destiny. And I'm like, oh, this is just not interesting. Like, I get it. I get the point. Can we get on with it? Can I just can I yeah. figure out how the guns work? This is Bioshock, and I can get well, like electric shooty powers. Can I do that, please? I have to admit that I even looked at my phone at the beginning of Tears of the Kingdom, which I have played. In in the initial cutscene, which isn't very long. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Don't bite on the cards, Tom. Right. So generally speaking, like this is the only this is the only real game I've played, and it's like I'd set time aside because I got to level two hundred in Fortnite. I should say I got that last game. Oh, I'm like, cool. I don't have to play Fortnite for a while now. I I did it. I did it. Um, and so I was like, right, cool. Well, actually, I'm gonna play Zelda a little bit this week because I'm I've got some time off coming up. So I'm going to play Zelda. I was like, before that, though, I'll see if Atomic Heart is any good. And, you know, I've kind of not played Zelda. I've not done other things. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to sit down and play something, I should play Atomic Heart and talk about it in the podcast. I I just wish I would have spent that hour playing Zelda and just wandering around the fields of yeah. Hyrule, um, trying not to get murdered by moblins. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we've made the transition to Zelda. We might as well speak about it before we go into the Street Fighter Six chat. We should. So after last week's podcast and uh, say, oh, yes, it was a missed opportunity. I should have played Zelda prior to the podcast because I had a great opportunity. Uh, so so I did. This this morning I had about an hour or so on, on Zelda. I did the initial um, section. Of the, I did the first shrine, basically, and then wandered off and uh, sort of worked out where I was going to go next. Yeah, it's... It's got that magic, hasn't it? That, I mean, undeniable. I, I didn't expect anything else. It's got the Zelda magic. And yes, initially, he said, you start off in that cave, and it's like, mm, yeah, visuals are a bit mm, iffy, I suppose. Yeah. After you've been playing a lot of PS5, for yeah. example, you know, and yeah. you get used to graphics looking very sharp. Um, and it's not maybe the best area to sort of appreciate the, the art designs and such. Um, when you when you when you get out of the the cave at the beginning and the world opens up and you you can really appreciate the lighting. I mean, you can in the cave, but I think yeah. especially with, with, with the sunlight beaming through as you come out uh, into the into the main sort of world, sky world. That yeah, and then the gameplay grabs hold and you're not really thinking too much about the uh, no. the visuals anymore. You don't care anymore. <laughs> so- no. <laughs> so there was just an initial stumbling block, which you know you you talked about a little when when you were 
said your bit about Zelda the other week. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not disappointed me or anything. I I do find that whole Ultra Hand system initially was a bit iffy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did struggle to use it. And also, the I'm just going through a few of the negatives here because there's so much positive to say about the game. Hey, man, I just want to get out I've... of the way. The first the me talking about it was just more mainly yeah. negatives and mainly me being trepidatious about, oh shit, do I do I want to do this again? And I I get you, because yeah. yeah. they're there. Like, and I I think this is the weird thing about this game. Even chatting to, I went for dinner last night with a colleague, and they were saying that they've just been lost as elder, and that I I need to actually link them at Australian ad because it seems like they're living <laughs> that life. Um, of going home and like you know going home late because they they got a lot of work on and then sitting down and playing some Zelda in the evenings Um, and it's they even and like they are are someone who I know doesn't play many video games like when they play one video game they really like entrench themselves in it and over the pandemic that game for them was Breath of the Wild like they beat all the shrines they got all the Korok Mm. seeds like Admittedly, they were playing it with their kids, and so they swapping controllers back and forth and everything else. But even they were like, "Well, I didn't really like Ultra Hand at the start, and now I'm doing this." And and like, so I think that's a universal approach. I don't think that is even a oh, we are two people on a podcast, you know, trying to talk about and try and analyze and trying to be critical of games, not in the sense of like all game bad, but like trying to pick it apart, what makes it work and what doesn't. I genuinely think that is the experience, and that's really strange to me that Nintendo didn't see this, or maybe they were just like, "Well, um, these these negative comments are here in the first hour or so, and then people just completely forget about it." And I think yeah. that is that is weirdly that is the onboarding experience I, of Tears of the Kingdom. I do wonder how else they could have implemented Ultra Hand. Do you think yeah. that there's, there's an obvious better way that could have been implemented, or do you think with what's you've got um in your hands that's probably the best way of i of just wish doing that. that i just wish that they let you free rotate it would be the thing for me like, ah yes rather I, than it fixed yeah. angles cuz honestly like you you must have you built the sailboat to go to that third shrine on the sky island no right? i've just done the first shrine okay um so so i've just put the hook on the board and and uh, went Sa- down the... sailed down yeah yeah but what got me about that particular puzzle was it, there was more of a puzzle there than i thought i thought well it's obvious there's that thing of, there's one of those contraptions above you so you can see what you need to do yeah so it was put the hook on the board and then glide down but it didn't sort of make it clear that you couldn't make it uh hang it up there and step onto it you had to actually be standing on the the wood no, I, um, I didn't. I didn't hook. stand on the wood. I just made it lengthways, so I had more of a like a run to get onto it. Oh, because I could not get onto it at all. Link couldn't climb up onto it. Oh, weird. And then when I was doing something else later with some logs and made a bridge, I thought, well, Link will be able to climb up onto that, and yeah. I can walk across. But he couldn't climb up onto it, so I had to make it so Link would drop down onto it. Uh, I couldn't okay. just climb, I'm... and I wonder if that was yeah. an issue with the game that you can't climb onto these structures you've made with Ultra Hand. No, and I to be fair, right? I think actually now I'm thinking about it. I didn't climb onto it. I jumped onto it. I I gave it enough so when it was sliding that I. Ah, uh, 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's another way of doing it because I actually stood on the wood. Uh, I think as I was as I was putting it together. Yeah. Yes, you stood. You stood on the plank and then you put the thing on it. To the hook on, and, and then and then it just oh, went because okay, I was nice. already yeah. on the plank. Because I knew I couldn't get up onto the plank once yeah. I'd attached the hook. See, this yeah. is a, this is this thing about this game. There are multiple ways. So, like ultimately, it is the same issue. There's the same problem we have solved. We have solved it in different ways, and I think this is kind of the strength of it. I and feared, that was the strength of Breath of the Wild. This is true. I feared in later shrines, they just even let you go. Like fuck, go for it. Like there's stuff that right. shouldn't work, but does. I've also just got tips from my colleague who's been playing it a bit more than I am. He's like, "Oh, you're having trouble with those. Um, put a put a mushroom on your sword." I was like, "What do you mean, put a mushroom? Mm. Why would I?" He's like, "Because it makes your sword springy. So you literally, like, if you've got four enemies, you just smack them with the sword with a mushroom, and it sends them flying everywhere. So you don't have to fight wow. them." I was like, "Yeah, I need to experiment more." No wonder game. it took it's... a while to develop. Um, well, because of how intricate this world is and all the possibilities. It's the insanity of Nintendo, isn't it? It's just like... Have you read any of the interviews going around? Not really, no. no, no. You, you should you should check them out. Um, there was one I was reading where they were pretty much... They were just like, yeah, we finished this game a year ago. We've been polishing it for a year because like, we knew it was good. We just wanted to make it really good. And I'm like, mm. how how many other studios... <laughs> They're like, yeah, cool. We finished this game, but we're gonna delay it. We're gonna delay it a yeah. year because, like, we can make it even better. It's like, but not many studios are in the same sort of position as Nintendo, I imagine. No, this is true. This yeah, is true. But, but yeah, but like, did you do you also see that thread going around of um, Chris Kohler, uh, ex Kotaku? I think he now yeah. the Digital Eclipse. He was it like he was pointing out people like how do they keep making like consistently good Mario games? How do they make consistently good Zelda games? To which I would say, you didn't play Triforce Heroes, nor did you play Super Mario Sunshine. But how do they do that? How can they? How can they make these things? And how can they keep making them so fucking good? And he's like, well, it's because being the same creative team for like thirty years. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> like. The, pe- the people who made Zelda um, have a lot of experience. Have worked on Zelda since the Legend of Zelda. Hmm. Like, admittedly, like Miyamoto is not involved anymore. Um, it's oh, I've forgotten the guy's name. This is a very well dressed man with the beard and the glasses. Yes. Um, yeah. He has been directing the Zelda franchise since. I want to say um, Ocarina of Time, no? That I don't was, know. Um, I thought that was Miyamoto. No, um, no? Miyamoto. Uh, Anuma. Uh, or uh, Anuma produced it. Edgy Anuma. Uh, let me look, because I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure. I want to fact check myself. I, I felt it was quite classy when it started, when it was just the white text on the black background saying... Uh, Legend of Zelda, Zelda Tears, Tears of the Kid. Like get get ready. We're confident that this game is uh, top tier. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Like it's like you've been waiting for this, and we're gonna deliver. Uh, but yeah, I I did feel like that initial section where you go down with Zelda into the the cave could have been a bit tighter. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I mean what? that is a very minor criticism of the game. It's nothing really that anyone else necessarily would uh, find fault with but 
Yeah, I kept trying to go. I just want to go through the corridor. And Zelda was like, oh, hang on, look at that statue. Oh, look at that. I'm running down here. <laughs> yeah, I, I get you. And like, But that, I... that's minor. I mean, it's just the first impression sometimes in a video game. Uh, like um, Breath of the Wild, there wasn't really much um, in terms you, of... You walk up in a cave and you walked out. Yeah, yeah, which you kind of do in this. and and But then I guess it needed a bit of backstory to sort of establish what was now happening. And, and it, it is quite condensed. Um, it, yeah. it doesn't outstay its welcome particularly. It, it quite, um, quite, con- uh, oh, in comparison, to something like uh, Atomic Heart. Sorry, yes. I couldn't get my words out then. You know, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the word economic in its um, introduction. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it it has to have something to your point, right? Because it mm. it is a direct sequel, which is not something we often experience in Zelda, and honestly. If I think about it, when we do, they're generally my favourite Zelda games. Like, mm. uh, you know, you have Ocarina of Time, and you have Majora's Mask. You have, um, I mean, I guess you could say A Link to the Past, and then A Link Between Worlds. Uh, is it Link Between Worlds? It was the flat one? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have these games, and they speak to each other. And admittedly, like, I, I I guess you could also argue the Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword are in that same kind of conversation as well, but the games I've never really loved that much. But this is this is definitely in conversation with Breath of the Wild in a way that, like, they are the same game. They are built on the same engine. They're doing different things with it. And for me, I, I'm one of these strange people, I think. I, there aren't that many of us that actually prefers Majora's Mask to Ocarina of Time. Like, I think there's some amazing things in Majora's Mask that kind of build on an already amazing game in Ocarina of Time. And I can already Mm. kind of see those things in this game. And I'm like, shit, this might even be better than Breath of the Wild. Like, how the fuck do you do that? How do you, how do you, how are you able to make... It was never going to be as giant of a leap as Breath of the Wild. But what they have implemented in here with Ultra Hand is huge, really. And it's a tradition, isn't it, for the franchise. Every game introduces a new, a unique gameplay mechanic. This is the uh, trademark of Zelda games. Um, as they've been for for many years now, isn't it? It's sort of like, oh, we got Link will turn to a wolf, you know. We, we we've got a a boat, um, you know, with, and then we've got uh, yeah, everything's got some sort of unique mechanic, hasn't it? And I think it has. Breath of the Wild is obviously the, the maybe the biggest leap in terms of gameplay style, but um, Ultra Hat is the the biggest difference isn't it i suppose in in between this game and um breath of the wild and it's it's huge but it's it's also just like it clearly feels like the game is kind of built around ultra hand because yes it it has to be doesn't it even physically even everything has to be around the size of what you can manipulate but uh, but also just like the the meld thing where you get the power to like there's you will get a power after that first shrine where essentially you can you the game allows you to use that same mechanic of like, oh, well, I'm going to build things in the world Hmm. to go, cool, I'm going to stick stuff on my weapons. Mm. So you make bomb arrows, you can make fire arrows, you can literally stick a... You can be in a combat scenario going, oh, shit, I've only got a four four sword. Uh, Oh, there's a giant rock. I'm going to stick that giant rock on my sword. I'm going to move really slow. I've seen all that in that um, gameplay presentation they did uh, just prior to the release, and it was really exciting. And 
also the design of where, where you're going to go to next is incredibly well done because I always think with these kind of open world games it might be difficult to sort of work out where you need to go yeah. but I think when I realized that oh yeah he pointed me in the direction of first shrine and then it said no you got to do like three more shrines before yeah. you can open the door or whatever and then it's the, then you get oh here's a bit of freedom there is now it's you explore you know we're not going to tell you exactly where the next shrine is you've got to look at the world yeah and then work out and then i thought well i see there there's a similar puzzle to what i did in the first shrine i think i should go over there and do that because that's got to lead to something the next step well, so, so it's very of course it's very cleverly designed but uh i'm, I'm always impressed by uh nintendo and in, in, in relation to the zelda games of how well they can sort of guide you in in a very open world well, it's it's just I don't know what it is about this game. I, I may I mean maybe it's just Zelda. Like I've never had this experience with any other game. I know other people have with things like Skyrim. I know like Elder Scrolls. I'm sure people will have this same experience with Starlink. But chatting to my colleague yesterday and his kids now are older, so they have their own saves and they're doing different things. And just you know by frame of reference of the those four people playing this game we've all gone different ways mm. like he's like oh well one of my kids went to kakarito village one of my kids went to the down south the zora thing he's like i went to garuda and i was like shit i didn't do any of that i'm just wandering around like on the mountains <laughs> like because mm. i happened to go that way and then i i wanted to keep going there because people kept giving me hints that there was gear and stuff i could take and i met this person and they're like oh i didn't know about that person have you seen this person like it's just such a weirdly beautiful game, and obviously, like there are story beats, and from what I understand, there's I've experienced one or two of them, but like there are narrative portions of this. There are things where you're doing kind of side quests, and it's telling you about the world and filling you in about what's going on, and they are open. Like obviously, you're still going from point A to point B, but like how you get there and what you do is kind of open. But it it's definitely making the player make their own stories it's like narrative driven by the player rather than the game mm. and it's just so it's so interesting like I just gives you something to think it. about all the time uh with um oh how am i gonna tackle that next little obstacle there what what am i gonna like build to get me to that point and i can see it as being a game that even when you're not playing it you're thinking about it and thinking how you might where you might go next what you might do next yeah yeah, it, yeah. Again, it, it it harkens back. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it the other day, but like I remember vividly having the conversation with you on this podcast while I played Breath of the Wild, however many hundred episodes ago. Hmm. And I remember the moment where I was just like, where Breath of the Wild clicked for me, and I was like, shit, this might be the best game ever made. Like, um, I was I was there. I was crouched. I was going up a hill. It was raining. There was thunder and lightning and everything else. I just remember creeping over a hill to a mobling camp with my bow drawn. And I was like, shit, this is why people play D&D. This is why, like, I, you know, you play in the bushes as a kid with sticks. Like, this is that. They've mm. encapsulated that feeling of adventure and, like, yeah. what you want to do in an adventure game so perfectly mm. in this in this one game. And now just expanding upon that in another iterate. I'm just like, oh, I just... If they if they just make one of these every seven years, I'll, just, I'll be happy. With that. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah, 
Nintendo turn their hands to adventure games and they they create Zelda and and to this day it is still one of the the best sort of adventures you can have in in video games. You well, know, I mean, so. to be fair to Nintendo, I think they only really enter a market if they're confident about what they can do with it. I mean, like, who would have said Splatoon would have been a thing? Like, well, it's a first person, it's a third person shooter. It's a third person like online team shooter that's not violent, really. And like, they they clearly like they've they've seen the rise of first person shooters. I mean, they've been a company for a long time. I'm sure when Doom and all these other things came around, like yes, they were on the Super Nintendo, but ne- Nintendo never made anything like that themselves until they figured out a way that they could make something like that work for them, and that was Splatoon. And I honestly like when I look at the stuff that they produce, so when I look at the things that they put out into the world, like they're clearly thinking about like, okay, what's our interpretation on this? And nine times out of ten they knock it out of the park. Yeah, it seems they can turn their hand to, to most things yeah. and I mean yeah. I'm not I'm not being naive here. I know that obviously like things like Wii Music come out or like lots of gimmicky stuff around the, the Wii that people are like, Oh well this isn't that great and like it comes and goes, and like people are like, oh, this is interesting, but it doesn't do what it needs to do. But I think when Nintendo hits properly, like when they hit a ten out of ten, they that they have a much more consistent batting average for like hitting ten out of tens than they do. Yeah. At the well, they had a great foundation, didn't they? Would make when they came into developing Tears of the Kingdom, they already had the the groundwork. So. Yeah. yeah. They did, but I mean. You could but all... what they've gone and done with it, they they only had to do something serviceable to Breath of the Wild, yeah. and yet they decided to, you know, what 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 can we offer that's new, uh, a new sort of gameplay idea, and 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 center the entire game around it. I mean, they're they're certainly creative and not lazy. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, that's an understatement to say Nintendo creative and yeah. and, and not lazy, but. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts. It, it's such an exciting, cool thing. Like I, I can't wait. I'm honestly, I, there's so much stuff I need to do this week. Like I've yeah. got a couple of days off. It's going to be really nice weather. I need to do some gardening and everything else. I've got some books to read. I'd like to do some writing, but my brain's like, oh, you could just stay inside for three days and play Tears of the Kingdom. And my brain is just like, that'd be a really good idea, wouldn't it? Just stay in, play Tears of the Kingdom. Don't worry about the sun. Don't worry about food. Just play some Tears of the Kingdom. Because it's got its hooks in me, Tom. Like, And even though I haven't had time to play it, and even though I probably played it at this point, I, maybe five hours. I'm just yeah. like, I cannot, I cannot see yeah. a better game coming out this year. It's um, attached those hooks using Ultra Hand. It has. Unfortunately, I've not had to. No one's waggled me to shake them loose yet. Maybe. <laughs> no one's waggled those hooks off you yet. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, we talk about Nintendo being top of the game, as they always are. Uh, Capcom, at the moment, are knocking out of the park with seemingly everything that they put out there, yep. um, with a level of quality and thought uh, that you, you know you don't see from every um, developer. No, but I, I think Capcom are doing a grand job currently. Before we get into actually Street talking Fighter about how good Street Fighter 6 is, though... You say this, Tom Parry, you say, you know, Capcom, they're there for the community, they're there for their fans, you know, they're really putting out amazing stuff. Didn't put out that blank skin. <laughs> oh, sorry, you just want to get that. Didn't want didn't So want this is your plea to Capcom, as if they'd is. be listening. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get 
Bono and Sting, and uh, we're going to record a charity number saying, uh, "Please bring back Blanca. Blanca." Yeah, bring back because now would be the time, wouldn't it? That. It would. Street Fighter skins. Who knows? We we could see them soon enough. Oh, God, back I again. So. I doubt it though. They released um, some weird um, something Academy skins of their own, which look really customizable. Which is really cool to be like. Oh wow! You can change the hair and hands, like gloves and legs and stuff That's on the fun. Fortnite color characters. I hope they do this from now on. I hope you have that level of customization across characters because that would be ace. But yeah, no Street Fighter skins as a result of that. I was like, but speaking of uh, character customization, Street Fighter Six. <laughs> yes, Tom. Tell me all about it. Okay, so Street Fighter Six. I don't need to say it's the latest entry into the popular Street Fighter franchise, but <laughs> they've really thought this game out really well, I think. When you open up the game, you're given three separate sort of modes to jump into, and the way the screen split into three sort of really very much differentiates one from the other. You've got your World Tour, you've got your Battle Hub, and you've got Fighting Ground. The fact that I remember those after not actually only playing it for for you know for a couple of days or so it's pretty good because they're sort of you know exactly what what's in each. So the world tour is the single player game where you're in the open world, and Matt's already mentioned it briefly. It's a bit yakuza esque. Yes. Uh, it's it's incredibly p- playable and, and enjoyable, and just, you go off on your adventure with your avatar. Just to get our quarter in, would you say it's more yakuza esque or Shenmue esque? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there are similarities between, especially when you go and see uh, Chun Li next after uh, as, as a martial arts teacher, and uh, yeah, yeah, it did did remind me of Shenmue somewhat. Good, there we go. We've ticked that box. Carry on. <laughs> but it's all done with with uh, lightheartedness and humour, uh, which is really it's very colourful. It's not it's not a serious uh, game by any means. Even though you know the characters are at the next level of graphical fidelity, and it's still very much uh, fun and colourful and light-hearted. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair, fair, fair to say. Um, so you got that, you have got the battle hub, which is like where you go and do your online business. You know, not only can you go up to a cabinet and find a, a game. Uh, where, where you play a traditional uh, Street Fighter one-on-one match, but you can there's, there's so much more you can do as well. That like you can go over to a machine and do some mini games. You can go over and play original Street Fighter or Final Fight. Really? You can go into. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you can go into the middle uh, area and have an avatar battle as well. So um, you can use your avatars and online fights also in in that mode. I've got some of these avatars that you can make because they've been very free with the the level of customization. In terms of, you can have a tiny head, no neck, massive arms, massive like you yeah. know, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I've gone for a fairly uh, standard looking guy, uh, tr- similarly modelled on myself, but uh, you know, muscle bound, uh, buff parry, buff version. <laughs> Uh, and that's quite fun to me. He's sort of a dream persona in a, in a in a Street Fighter game, and and I'm sure as you progress through the game, you'll be able to customize your characters further. It's a little limited at the beginning; cause it's all based on how much money you've got and what you can purchase. And in that world tour mode, you gain 
some sort of in, a currency through playing and so yeah. I'll come back to the currency in a bit because it's very similar to Street Fighter Five in that respect as you can you can purchase things from the shop using the currency you get I think it's called like drive tokens um, and that you, you gain those just by playing the game and then you've got the Capcom coins which uh, it just, it's considerably less coins for say, a new costume or something than it is drive points. It was just like that in Street Fighter Five, so you don't have to actually pay more money to unlock stuff, but it will take an awful lot longer uh, if you if you don't want to spend any more money on the game. Which is that is how games are nowadays, especially fighting games. They do lend themselves to that sort of microtransaction type thing yeah. pretty well. It's at least you have the option to get those same things, but it is going to take you considerably more time. And when you can't even get second costumes by playing the game, you know, yeah. uh, off the, you know, at the beginning, you you expect the character to have at least two costumes from the beginning. You would hope so, but it doesn't seem like that. It seems if you want to get Ken's classic costume or or whoever's, because usually with with the classic characters, a player two costume is their original costume, yeah. and those those are one of the things I wanted to get fairly straight away, but. You have to put in a fair few more hours if you're going to gain enough uh, drive tokens to to get them. I don't know if you can exchange drive tokens for um, Capcom coins. I suppose not because they're two different currencies. So I, mean, I don't uh, think you convert one to the other. Usually you can do some stuff like that in these games, but it's not mm. often. Yeah. So I went off on a tangent. The usually terrible. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's I think I think it's a valid thing to talk about, yeah. right? I think. If these costumes and stuff aren't there, and if these currencies are a bit of a hindrance, then that's a bit of a disappointment. But yeah, you can still have a lot of fun. It's just like it's cosmetic stuff, really. It's nothing. Yeah, it's not gameplay that's that's locked. It, it, it's just if you want to have Ken's original costume, yeah, you're gonna have to put in quite a lot of work if you don't want to pay real money to get it. That's a shame. Yeah. So then you've got Fighting Ground, which is where you can do arcade mode. And the training mode, and uh, I think you can just do online battles. I think maybe you can do online battles through arcade mode too. I'm not 100% sure, so I've not investigated that, because it seems to me that Battle Hub's the main place for doing that. But Fighting Ground is, is, is your, as you expect Street Fighter to be. You know, yeah. arcade, multiplayer, all that in in um, Fighting Ground. It's very interesting, because it is very much like three games in one. Yeah, Battle, Battle Hub is in the middle, because that's like the central point of everything because that's your that's your online bit yeah story mode is your optional single player and then your traditional street fight experience on fighting ground uh and to talk a little bit about the mechanics of the game that they've introduced i can't really remember what there was in street fighter 5 if i'm being totally honest with you in terms of yeah of course you've got your super meter and you've got another v meter was it v trigger Something like that. That's V is Street Fighter Five, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now it's called um, Drive Drive Meter, and it's yeah. a meter instead of having like. So of course you've got Super Health and you've got Drive. I think in other games you might have had even more meters, which uh, a lot of things you can do with the Drive. You can do your um, counters or mm-hmm. parries with the with the Drive Meter. Yeah. They could do these uh, strikes that can cancel out other strikes and such. 
I'm I'm not an expert in it yet, but basically if you press R1 and R2 when you've got some meter, you can do a, a knockback attack basically, which leaves your opponent open uh, yeah. for, for a moment. And then you can counter other people's with the same move. So if someone does that on you, if you've got drive meter, then you can press the, the drive thing to counter their drive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's how sort of how drive drive works, and of course there's also the the parrying thing as well, which I haven't really uh, got to grips with, and that's by just pressing two buttons. I think it's triangle and circle on the PlayStation to do to do a parry. Uh, but the one stumbling block I really had in terms of the the controls was understanding that the game is all set up for modern controls. Yes, this is what I. Um, yeah, and you have to make a. a a point of changing it otherwise you get a bit stuck and confused um and every mode is treated like an individual mode so if you say change to classic mode in one of the modes it's not going to automatically change classic mode in another mode so you have to make sure you've selected it across all three modes and you can't do that in world tour initially you have to do the first chapter first before yeah. you can change this it this is what i was saying uh, to you so like, yeah i, I, I was mistaken when i was playing it because i don't think i i could have done that because you have to complete the first chapter to play traditional controls um for me as someone who's played street fighter moving to a new a lot over the years i'm not a newcomer to it um using the modern controls is to throw me somewhat because yeah, you same. haven't even got you got one light, one medium, and one heavy, and then triangle for special. Yeah. And triangle with different buttons to do different specials. It, it's totally turning everything on its head, and, and, and trying to play like that when you're used to the other is, is confusing. And I've been stuck in situations where I've missed where the option was to change it back to classic, and I've been stuck in an online match. And <laughs> But once I worked out that you have to change it everywhere, and where you change it in what menu you change it it does it does seemingly remember that so once you've done it once it will default to classic for example so that's good you only have to do it once but you do have to seemingly have to do it in all three modes i would hope they would patch something in to just be like okay you can use a toggle for like all. well i'd love it if the game just said from the out do you want classic or modern well i mean i i can see why they go like, hey, here's modern first. Because I think they're trying to think of new players. Like, yes, yeah. obviously people like ourselves, people especially who were like competing in EVO, not that we're at that level by any means, but like <laughs> saying, you know, give it a try. And like a lot of people like ourselves, a lot of people who've played this game for a long time or definitely who play it at a higher level are going to go, oh, God, I hate this. But I can see a world where I was like, oh, well, actually... <laughs> This is kind of nice just to be able to press like up and triangle to do an uppercut rather than having to worry about like did I name yeah. a full arc or a full sweep and like am I But it's not Street Fighter and it's no, not that but it, it isn't satisfaction. For... No, it isn't, but like it allows people who don't play a lot of fighting games to play a fighting game in a meaningful mm. accessible way and I think that's really neat. It does, it does. It's nice that you've got the upside rather it not be forced upon me in, in the way it has been in I, this game. But. I think they put it there so you can see it and so you can try it and maybe some people will go, oh, actually, this is for me. Great, cool. I, yeah. don't, have to, I don't have to worry about am I am I doing the full quarter circle punch on the right thing? Like People like us have it down to muscle memory, but like I can guarantee you a lot of people don't. 
Yeah, I, d- I do wonder how many people will try the classic mode though, and and because there's a lot to enjoy about playing Street Fighter in that version of Street Fighter. Because I I remember when I was getting into fighting games, and I was actually understanding it, you know, and the amount of satisfaction that you get as a player for for learning those moves and pulling off those moves and the feel of Street Fighter, I feel it's all sort of connected to that and to take that away it doesn't feel so much like street fighter yeah but there, there you go but as you say you know there are plenty of people who might prefer that you know who are new to the uh, franchise but if you've even played any other street fighter game you're yeah. unlikely to, to, to. change I, I would think but yeah. I, I don't know I... maybe some people do prefer it i'm, sure I, I'm not one do. of those no i know uh, yeah but again it's not for us. I don't think we are supposed to prefer no. it. But no. Yeah. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. It's but so I think... weird having heavies taken out. Yeah. No, having you know, two of each, having six buttons set up and then <laughs> Well, it's because theoretically you don't need it. You know? Like theoret- like clearly these modern controls prove you can kinda get by without it. And maybe <laughs> Maybe this is the thing. Maybe they're yeah. just like, okay, you don't have to differentiate kicks anymore. I mean, definitely in other fighting games have done stuff like this, right? Um, I mean, Dead or Alive's not really got, like, dedicated heavy buttons, right? It's, like, medium heavy, and then that's it. Like, and you got... But uh, no, it's got punch, kick, and throw, and Yeah, exactly. Block. Like, it's just different styles of different things. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, so. It's different than Street Fighter. But that's why, perhaps, you play Street Fighter over Dead or Alive, Dead or Alive. Yeah, for example. You know, that's what makes Street Fighter Street Fighter. Anyway, enough of that. You can get bogged down in the control side of things because that would be my only real criticism from what I've played so so far that it could have been easier to get the control setup I wanted across all the modes and instead of having to actually stumble and sort of work out how to do that. You, for example, when when you first play arcade mode, when you set the character, that's where you select the control style. And and I just press X. I just kept pressing X. I want to play the game. You know. Yeah, anyway. Um, the the characters themselves look great. I mean, the graphics uh, all over are, are really fantastic. Um, best looking in the more traditional one-on-one modes, whereas the uh, the World Tour mode, the graphics take a little bit of a, a little bit of a hit. You know, the models aren't as detailed and such, but you can understand that. Yeah. Because of the nature of, of the mode being open world and everything. Uh, and the new characters, they're really fun too, and they, they look really really good i mean this is a real step up from uh, even street fighter uh, 5 which looked good but this really is uh next level in it terms is one of, of the best looking games i've seen in a long time yeah it looks fantastic um it's really good and of course i'm always been a fan of the more traditional look of street fighter the pixel art but i think what they have here is uh, really impressive and the characters have so much personality for example, I played through as uh, Lily the other day, and uh, that's an incredibly fun character. She's basically like a junior T-Hawk with uh, weapons. Okay. Uh, so so, so uh, T-Hawk is mentioned in the in her story and everything. She does have the the dive thing that that T-Hawk has, and, and the other characters that that they brought in are also. Yeah, they fit in pretty well. But again, you've got those classic characters because uh, you probably will want to play as the, the ones you know. Uh, and they, they return, a, a bunch of them 
anyway. Yeah, I mean, Guile, Kami, Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li are the ones I've seen anymore. Blanka. Yeah. Uh, you've got characters from Street Fighter... Um, was it four jury first appeared in four i think didn't she yeah she did yeah yeah so so she she returns and of course being the nature of being how fighting games are nowadays there's going to be season passes and we're going to see lots more sure. original characters and returning characters uh so that, that that'll be interesting to see how that pans out it's not something i like necessarily about new fighting games because I prefer the roster to be larger Consistent. from the off. Yeah, well, I mean, this is what it is but though, right? It is what it is now and we've got to accept that's the way fighters are going to be going forward and I think that's, that goes for every um, fighter nowadays. And what more can I say about Well, when you complete, well, basically with the arcade mode, which is the first thing I jumped into because that's where you get, that's your uh, core game i suppose for me anyway that's what i associate with street fighter you can do i think five or 12 rounds or something like that so you can pick how long you want story mode to be so if you just want to sort of play through all the characters relatively quickly you can leave it on the default of five rounds and you and the standard difficulty on them i think is really good i was able to be challenged yes especially coming into a game where the mechanics are slightly different with the drive and everything um it's it's a good good uh, challenge, uh, not too difficult either. So that's really helpful. So so, uh, and you've not got like a ridiculously difficult final boss like yeah, in there. Uh, say so, it's not like, like Seth. Seth. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that they've removed that is wonderful, and that the final fight is final fight. It's just like a regular fight. In it, fact, I always find that the one fight before the final fight tends to be more difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, I've not seen in, that in fighting games over the years, taking that sort of template. Not in not in Street Fighter Four. I mean, that's the obvious no, exception. No, no. But like, yeah, generally speaking, I I agree with you. I yeah. always thought I always thought Sagat was more difficult to beat the Bison. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that, that that's been a staple of fighting games, I suppose, for a long time. And you've got a little story mode before that fight. So 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 you get the initial one, then you get the second to last fight, and you get a little bit of story before the. The second, the penultimate fight, and then you yeah. get the. There's do not they, a lot to it. Do but... they have store like unique stories? Yes, yes. Each character has a unique story. Um, yeah, with, with, with three separate installments of the story across the the story mode, cool. uh, and then when you win, uh, the sto- the story mode, you or arcade mode, as yeah. it is, uh, you'll get uh, artwork. Uh, you're unlocking that throughout. So as you win a fight, it will tell you you've unlocked artwork, and it's. What's really cool about the artwork is it's not just Street Fighter Six artwork. It's artwork from across every installment of Street Fighter. That's cool. So that's sort of your reward for completing it. You you automatically get shown each piece of artwork you've won uh, through that. And one can be from Street Fighter Four. One can be from you know Alpha Three Two. Oh, that's cool. You know, so you can just you're reminded of the legacy of Street Fighter. And how everything sort of... It doesn't feel like this is apart from the rest of the series. It's very much part, a continuation of, of the Street Fighter series. I like... I really love the way um, Capcom has approached this game. And uh, as I say, it's clear from the offer, the three distinct modes, um, what they're offering you. And it, it is a real variety. You've got lots for single player. I mean, I haven't even gone into World Tour, but World Tour is... a 
a beast all in itself. Yeah. It's as you go. We talked about it last week, and we you go around. You you meet different masters. First being Luke, second being Chun Li. I don't know who's next, but you'll 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 meet all those, and you'll learn their moves across the way, and build up your character and and dress your character, and you can fight um, most of the NPCs in the world, and that's so quick. It doesn't really have to load. It's like you you meet someone, you press a button, you're in the fight with them. Okay. And so you're grinding, you're leveling up. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of game there. Uh, it would That's seem. Cool. Yeah. So lots lots to enjoy f- for everyone, every type of uh, Street Fighter player. Um, I I tell you one thing that I'm not keen on is uh, Luke as a sort of poster boy. Well, I mean, they're trying to use him as like a new yeah. way into the series, aren't they, for people? Yeah, like, but Luke people. really isn't... I can't imagine many people finding... He's sort of like the John Cena of Street Fighter. Yeah, but... But yeah, lots of people like, like John, John Cena, Cena, so I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, to me, Luke hasn't got any sort of edge, really. He's just a bro, dumb kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I get you. I see what you're saying, but like I, I also yeah. think at the same time, maybe if there's a new person on the cover, then they aren't that intimidated by Street Fighter and going like, oh. You know. Yeah, I guess Ryu was on the cover of five. Uh, this the first release of five. Also on the cover of four, right? <laughs> yeah, Ryu and Ken cover, originally. Yeah. I think uh, to have Ryu not on the that's a major sort of step away, isn't it? To not have Ryu on the cover yeah. of the Street Fighter game. It is. Yeah, well, when has he not been on the cover of a Street Fighter game? I can't think. Um, I right. do... Mm. It's definitely on the... I've, I mean, everyone's on the cover of Street Fighter 2. Like, um, well, it depends. Actually, he hasn't, wasn't on the cover of Street Fighter 2 on no, the Super wasn't. Nintendo. It's, it's Dalsim it, versus um, <coughs> Honda, right? I thought it's Sagat versus Honda. Let, let me look. Right, Street Fighter 2, Super Nintendo. Sagat versus Honda. No, it isn't. He is on the cover of Street Fighter 2. It is um, Blanca busting out of a brick wall. Ryu is knocked on the floor and Chun-Li is going to kick him. I'm thinking of maybe Turbo. You are thinking of Turbo and so was I. Yes, okay. So, right. So Street Fighter 2, he's on the cover. Super Street Fighter 2, he's not on the cover. Oh, the the cover for Super Street Fighter 2 is just a brick wall, isn't it? It's just a brick wall with text, yeah. So yeah, you are you are right. It is Honda versus Sagat on the cover of Turbo. Well, it depends what regional variation of the cover you're talking about. Yes, it is true because I mean, like in the Western ones, in Japan also he's on the cover um, because everyone's on the cover of Street Fighter. Who's on the cover of the Japanese release of Street Fighter Six? Is it just Luke or is it Luke and other characters? Because in Japan they usually put more than one character on the front. Uh, from what I can see, it is just Luke. Wow. They're really pushing Luke. Um, but I couldn't stand it if Luke was a particularly cool character. But yeah. as, you, as you say, to some people, Luke probably is a very cool character. Interestingly enough, it seems like in Japan, there's pre-order bonuses depending on where you order it from. Yeah. Seemingly aware of this point. Uh, you get reversible covers. So Amazon has a reversible cover with uh, Chun-Li and Guile. And then there's one mm-hmm. with Yuri and a character I don't know. Yeah. So maybe... I think there's a steelbook in the UK. It's got Ryu on the cover. 
There is a steelbook in the UK that's got, yeah, Luke is to the left, Ryu in the middle, Chun-Li, and then, I can't, I think Blanca, Guile, and Kimberly, is that the name of the new character? Kimberly, yeah, one yeah. of the new characters, yeah. On the back, so. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm I'm curious. Um, Street Fighter, Street Fighter 3 cover. The only the only console I can think of that coming out on the stream. Oh no, it was on PS2 and stuff as well, right? Yeah, that's got on the PS2. It's got loads of characters on. Yeah. And on the Dreamcast PAL version, it's got Ken and Ryu. Yeah. And then the Street Fighter Three, uh, that third strike that I'm talking about, Double Impact, just the logo. Is it? It's really? just says Street Fighter, and it's got. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he's making great podcasts. No, this is true. Like, yeah, let's not talk about visuals anymore. But yeah, you're right. Double impact's just the logo. Wow, that's that seems lazy. I, I, I actually like the Super Super Fighter Two's the logo coming out of a brick wall. I always thought that was really cool. You always like that. I was always a bit like, oh, I want to see the characters personally. Yeah. Like the Super, uh, is it Super Street Fighter Two on the Super Nintendo Japanese is one of the best Street Fighter covers. Japanese Super Nintendo Super Street Fighter Two. Super and then we'll draw a line under it. Do, you, you, listeners, you can also look these up on um, whatever. You do this alongside us. Device. Exactly. You also have Google. Um, oh, yes, yeah, this cover. Okay. I've only ever seen the cartridge for this. I've never seen the box. Um, yeah. With Ryu doing his kick from the cover of yes. the Yes, it's, like, it's, like it's associated the with movie. the movie, isn't yeah. it? I think. Yeah. And then uh, Fei Long, DJ, Kami, and. Kami's TV. prominent, I recall. She is, but they've put Fei Long over. Her, her, her derriere because she's clearly pausing that oh, yeah. way and then like, and Cammy's back as well of course in Street Fighter 6 so with a really cool new character design too yeah it looks dope oh, yeah man Super, uh, Super Street Fighter 2 the new challenger had a really cool poster as well like you can't really see everyone else Fei Long is the main focus and then DJ's kicking no Fei Long yet but will we see him we'll have to only time will tell only time will tell but if if you're um, obviously if you're new to the franchise it seems like a great place to start um and Hang you can on. play in different ways. Before we wrap a line under returning characters. Yeah. Zangief's in it, right? Oh, sorry. Yes, I forgot. Thank fuck for that. Okay, cool. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I overlooked him. He's he's a big guy. Um, <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah. And I think for fans like myself, this feels more fresh and more exciting than Street Fighter V did when that was yes. released. Because that was released, of course, with a lack of modes. I don't even think it had an arcade mode on release. No, it didn't. There was no story, remember? They were like, oh, <laughs> it was a story. So that was an underwhelming release. And I think maybe Capcom learned from that. And said, okay, we're not going to release uh, such a bare bones version of well, Street Fighter I, at I launch. I think, and again, it has been a while, it's been a hot minute since Street Fighter V came out. In fact, you, you still lived in Denmark. We still did yes. this podcast over a table when street fighter 5 came out yes um generally speaking wasn't it because they were trying to get it for evo wasn't that one of the things where they were like well we want to release this because we want this year's evo to feature yeah I, th- I think it was so more about the competitive scene whereas yeah. this is really made with everyone in mind and not then just weirdly those players. from what i remember it was also poorly received by the by the actual professional scene anyway, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, Street Fighter 4 was huge, wasn't it? Street Fighter 4 was really popular, and I think uh, maybe people find it difficult to adjust to something different from 4. 
Yeah. I don't think five was bad by any means. I've I enjoyed certainly enjoyed my time with five. But uh, I think this has got more. It's got more going for it. It's got more legs. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cool. So that's a big uh, recommendation from me for Street Fighter Six. Uh, you know, regardless of you being new to the series or an old fan, it's got something for everyone. Okay, so go play some Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom, go play some Street Fighter 6, maybe stay away from Atomic Hearts, is what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm also, I'm still enjoying Resident Evil 4, that's another great example of Capcom doing amazing work. Uh, that, that I've really been getting into that, last weekend I played a good chunk of uh, Street Fighter 4. Not Street Fighter 4. Well, Resident <laughs> Evil 4, you got God, I'm getting me Street Fighters and me Resident Evils mixed up. So yeah, that's another great uh, Capcom game. I'll tell you something I did pick up the other week, which I haven't played yet, because it's not the kind of game you play on your own. I finally have Sonic Shuffle. Refresh my memory, what is Sonic Shuffle? Sonic Shuffle is a Mario Party type game for Dreamcast, featuring Sonic and friends. And now, it wasn't very well received at the time. Certainly nowhere near as enjoyable as a lot of people find Mario Party to be. I'm, I'm... yeah, I'm a bit about a bit iffy about Mario Party. Sometimes yeah, too, I enjoy mate. it. Don't sometimes worry. You're I'm preaching to the converted. Yeah, but it was the practically the only Sonic game I didn't have a copy of, and it yeah, it, it's also a little expensive, more so than I'm usually wanting to spend on a game. So how much would it? Just shy of fifty pounds, I think, cost me forty eight pounds, and this was for the American copy. If you want the PAL copy, it's going to cost you even more. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, so... so uh, are there any Sonic games you don't own now? Off the top of my head, I I don't own a physical copy of Frontiers. Right. <laughs> but I do have Frontiers digitally. Yeah. But uh, apart God, from that... Physical PAL copies of Sonic Shuffle. 140 quid someone's trying to flip one on eBay. Admittedly, that's yeah. the first one I'm seeing. There's 103, 146. God. Yeah. yeah, so so it's much more affordable to buy the NTSC American version. Of course, you if you're English language speaker, you probably want the American version. Because yeah, but I mean, Japanese version seems to be about the same price as the American anyway. So is it? Oh, I thought Japanese was cheaper than the American. I'm sure in Japan it is. You can pick one up without mm. the uh, the what the hell are they called? The little paper ob bit. strip is that what they yeah, call them? That thing you can pick one up without that for about thirty quid, but. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd suggest if you if you want the game and you have the ability to play imports, just get the, the US one. Yeah. So I actually have that, and and I'm looking forward to playing that. So maybe next time we podcast, I should have played Sonic Shuffle, and I can tell you how disappointing it actually is, as I imagine okay, it will be. Fair enough. <laughs> so um on the on that note we'll we'll bring it to an end. There won't be a podcast for a couple of weeks. Um unfortunately I have some prior obligations, some weddings and stuff that I need to go to. So unfortunately this will this will be it pretty much for the month of June, I think. Um hopefully we can squeeze one in sometime before that because Final Fantasy would have come out in the meantime and admittedly I'm not I'm not gonna be near enough a console on those weekends to really get into Final Fantasy sixteen the way I want to, but I still kinda of want to talk about it for the few hours I managed to scrape by with it. Yeah. Um Yeah, so we we'll see what happens on that front. But um until then, at least you have this. We've actually been quite sneaky in how we've released them and I've staggered them by a week, so you are 
getting a week in June where you have a podcast or two to listen to, but it won't be the, the full Monty of the month, I'm afraid. But there are plenty of games you can play and enjoy in Go that time. Zelda. Like, <laughs> have that debate with yourself that I'm going to have to have. Of, do I sit in the sun or do I play Zelda? Go on, treat yourself. It's it's almost the summer holidays. It's almost. And if time. you don't if you don't want to sit uh, playing a game, because Zelda will will pull you in. If you start playing Zelda, you know it's quite difficult to to pull yourself away from it. it if you just want a game that's very much pick up and play, play for uh, half an hour, twenty minutes, then. Street Fighter Six is is a great game to jump in out of, and those the SSD load times on PS Five, oof, and I and the Xbox uh, Series consoles, you're gonna, yeah, really appreciate that in a fighting game. And yeah, oh, thank thank gosh we've got we've got a fighting game with such quick load times. Not that it's been a huge issue, but it's yeah, it's really good to have such an advanced game that loads so quickly. Yes. I, yeah. I, I look forward eventually to playing it myself. <laughs> Maybe they'll get it in the library and then I can grab it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get stuck in. Yeah. Okay, cool in the gang. Right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, If you've enjoyed listening, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom Attack, at Twitter at TMAKEHAST. Uh, a Tom Parry 11 for him, a Gimbal for me. Um, we're also in a variety of places for your listening pleasure, such as on blastprocess.com, tomamattack.com forward slash podcast, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us a cheeky rate and subscribe, let us know you're listening, etc., etc., etc. Also, we're slowly approaching, and I, I say slowly because people like myself keep going, like, oh, I got things to do. The 300th episode of Tom and Matt Attack. If you have any fond memories of the podcast that you would like to regale, that we would like to you would like us to regale you with, God, my brain broke there for a second. Um, or you know, you just want to wish us congratulations on that ridiculous milestone. Um, reach out to us on Twitter or whatever. We've yeah. also got the Gmail and stuff assisted in the YouTube account, which we never use, but you can you can do that in a variety of places. So just reach out to us personally and just yeah. let us know. And as as me, many people do Q and A's, don't they, with their fans? Now, if we have got any fans out there, let us know. And if you have got any burning questions, maybe episode three hundred is one where we could potentially answer some of those questions. You tell us what you want to hear. Exactly. In episode three hundred. Exactly. Get into it. Mm-hmm. Let us know. We will. We will be here. Maybe yeah, depending on audience response, maybe maybe we do something. Maybe we do a commemorative thing. I've I've thought about a nice T-shirt design that could be a cool thing to a give away. T-shirt. Yeah, I know. It's, we've never done any merch or anything. And to be fair, like, well, we appreciate you listening, audience. It's never been one of those things that we've been like, oh, we should, you know, we should think about merchandise and everything else. But I mean, ten years, three hundred podcasts, pretty a lot of stuff. Maybe we'll yeah, do some yeah. things. There's some that think of merch straight away, isn't there? (laughs) I mean, yeah, but it's not been something we've ever talked about. It's not. It's not been. It's not been top of our minds, is it? Like we've actually just preferred doing this podcast and keeping it quite low key. But you know, if actually, I tell you what, then, if you are interested potentially in a a commemorative T-shirt or Tomomat attack that I would give away, let me let me say, tweet at uh, TMA Cast with teas, please. And then, if there's if there's any response to that, then we'll we'll do that. Yeah, because because the logo, 
Matthew? Right. That's what I'm thinking. A nice. All I'm thinking is like nice, simple, like a black T-shirt with a nice embroidered logo on the side. Embroidered? You thinking? I was thinking massive in the middle, like no, a like I'm, a more I'm cheaper thi- T-shirt. I'm, you, I'm, you're going. I'm thinking, there. I'm thinking subtlety, but I'm thinking embroidered, and I mean honestly, sounds expensive like, to me. No, but... it shouldn't be. I I've got some <laughs> I've got some fr- favors I can pull with some friends and maybe get that done for us at a relatively decent price that that's high quality it will be high quality tom just like this audio visual experience this audio <laughs> well i don't know yeah. about my audio but there you oh go. come on we'll figure it out anyway cool thank you everyone for listening thank you tom parry for podcasting with me as always and i'm going to go play some tears of the kingdom and ignore the sunshine so i suggest everybody out there maybe do the same till next week um game on everybody um it isn't next week i shouldn't say that it'll be like until next time until next time thank you for saving me Tom Parry be sure as always game on game on